0: Join us for a very special edition of the Body Truck Academy podcast as Nicole sits down with Encore Nutrition to discuss all things women's health as it's Women's Health Week 2021. Listen on for more great info from Nicole and Encore.
1: Hello and welcome to the BodyTrack Academy, created by EPs for EPs.
0: We'll cover all things clinical, business, and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the BodyTrack Academy on Facebook, Look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the BodyTrack Academy podcast. My name is Nicola Lachlan and I'm an exercise physiologist here at BodyTrack and I will be your host for today's show. Coming into Women's Health Week, we really wanted to provide our listeners, the BodyTrack associates and clients the opportunity to learn a little bit more about women's health and in particular hear from some other allied health practitioners about their role in women's health. So today I'm very fortunate to be joined by accredited practicing dietitian Naomi Lawrence from the Encore Nutrition team to talk all things nutrition and women's health. So welcome to the show Naomi. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. No worries at all. Great to have you here. So, Naomi, you're a senior dietitian at OnCore Nutrition, which is a company based in Victoria, and part of a very talented team of dietitians that I actually met through the Allied Health Oncology Group, which is a group that Encore started. Um, as that name suggests, it's a group of Allied Health practitioners who share a common interest in oncology, which is my specialty area, uh, we meet up a couple of times um, throughout the year and chat all things oncology. Um, now, I'll actually put a few little notes in the show uh, show notes about AHOG or the Allied Health Oncology Group for anyone who's interested, uh, but that in itself is probably a podcast for another day. Um, I refer quite a few of my oncology patients to you guys, even though you're based in Victoria. I do this via, via telehealth, um, and I really love working with you and the team partly because of all the amazing work you do with my patients, but also the incredible work and knowledge that I'm learning from you as practitioners as well. So before we delve too deep into into all things women's health, I was wondering, Amy, if you could give us, um, give the listeners a little bit of a quick run through of your background, and perhaps the type of women's health um, areas you see um, in the clinic. Yeah, thanks,
0: Nicole. And uh, likewise, we absolutely love collaborating with you um, and are huge fans of all the work you're doing in the women's health space and oncology and beyond up there in Brisbane. And um, one of the wonders of our telehealth world now that we can both be supporting um, your clients together from all corners of the country. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I'll give the Allied Health Oncology Group a little plug as well. It's such a great... Um, you know, a collaboration and support network for uh, all allied health working in the oncology space. And we actually have our uh, quarterly meeting next week. So if you're really interested in joining now it is a great time. So I'm sure in the show notes, we can um, include some information about how to get involved in that. So... I was lucky enough to meet the wonderful Elise and Lauren working at Peter McCallum Cancer Centre in Melbourne um, and and have more recently joined their wonderful team at Oncore Nutrition. So we've certainly got uh, a lot of specialty um, and a lot of experience, over 30 years combined experience in oncology and nutrition. uh, We're also very, very passionate about supporting people with all aspects of health, disease management, preventative nutrition, with um, helping people with their relationships to food, overcoming um, body weight and image and eating disorders. Uh, And um, in particular with women, we know that um, there can be a lot of pressure and a lot of challenges in that space. So we absolutely love working through that with them.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And it's such an important area to have um, a multidisciplinary approach. And I know as an EP, working with a lot of women in both oncology, general health, um, chronic disease management, a lot of them come to us with goals around weight loss or improving body composition. Yep. Um, And a lot of the time, the first conversation I have a lot of my clients is if weight loss is something you you really want to work on, exercise is a really important part. Um, but diet is is even more important and and the most effective at um, achieving change. So I refer a lot out to you guys, but something that I'm seeing a heck of a lot uh, nowadays, and especially in our women's strength groups or or women who are now working a lot more to be and feel stronger Mm -hmm. um, and focusing more on those aspects, we get a lot of questions from our clients about um, how do we feel our bodies. What should we be eating before and after exercise? So it's probably a nice place to start for us. If you could sort of give us some ideas of what some things we could be telling our clients, um, who our listeners are at EPs as well as clients out there, what can people do to fuel their bodies appropriately for exercise? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know,
0: nutrition can play such an important and supportive role in making sure that you get the most out of your workout by Um, preparing your body well before your exercise session, um, but also helping to support the healing and repairing of your muscles after exercise. Mm -hmm. So before you work out, um, the aim of the game is to ensure that you've got good glycogen stores. So that's our energy source in our muscles ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And We've got good energy available, that we're well hydrated, but also that we're not, um, that we're making sure that our digestive system is comfortable so that we are able to focus all our energy and attention on the workout. Um, So um, there's a bit of a timeline in the lead up to um, any strength or cardio exercise. Ideally, what you want want to be doing about two to four hours before your exercise is having. A source of low glycemic index carbohydrate. So glycemic index, it's a measure of how quickly carbohydrates digested and absorbed. So how quickly our blood sugar levels rise after eating a carbohydrate food. We want to slow release carbohydrate in the two to four hours before exercise um, so that we can refuel our glycogen stores. It's got time to digest and absorb. And Just before exercise, so say within the hour or two before exercise, that's the time to have something that's higher GI or higher glycemic index. So that would be something like a yogurt and a banana or, you know, a piece of uh, fruit toast, an English muffin, um, something a little bit lighter. It's going to be quicker to break down and be a more immediate source of energy for you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, It's really important to sip water throughout the day it really helps the body absorb the water and and stay hydrated. So you want to aim for about 35 to 45 mils per kilogram of body weight across the day. And that's of all your hydrating fluids. So it's everything from the milk you put on your cereal, the water, um, the drinks you have throughout the day. And I'd just say the only things not to include in those hydrating drinks are your caffeinated drinks or your alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yep, awesome. Um, What you want to avoid... In the lead up to exercise, is there anything that's too high in fibre or too high in fat, because they tend to sit around in our digestive systems for much longer um, and can cause upset or a bit of nausea during exercise.
1: Yeah, don't want that.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, after workout is a really optimal time to ensure that you're getting in protein. And again, some carbohydrates to help repair the muscles, really? help help refuel and restock our energy sources to hydrate. Um, and optimizing what we're eating and the timing of what we're eating after exercise um, can help support our immune health as well. So um, protein is really, really important for rebuilding muscle tissue after exercise or heavy mm-hmm. cardio. Work Um, and we want to make sure that we've got plenty of protein available um, so that we can, um, so it can be sucked up by the muscle cells and used where it's needed. We used to think that it was really, really important to get something in straight after you finish working out. We now know yeah, the that, that anabolic anaboli- the anabolic window. We now know that that window is a little bit more relaxed. So certainly the anabolic window, so the optimal time um, to have the protein and the carbohydrate available is, you know, um, within an hour or two of eating. Um, but you can certainly stretch that out to three to four hours. Yeah, okay. yep, yep. Right. which makes it a little bit more feasible, one, if, you're, if it's not possible to get something good to eat straight after exercise or if you're someone who just doesn't feel like eating, if you're nauseous, if you've worked that hard. So um, what I encourage people to do is aim to have a small snack after exercise. Um, aiming for about 10 grams of protein. So 10 grams of protein can look something like two small eggs, a cup of milk, so grabbing a latte on the way home from your workout, um, having something like a tub of yoghurt, about 200 grams of yoghurt, um, and or a cup of soy milk even as well, 30 grams yeah. of nut butter. So very, very achievable to get that 10 grams of protein in. It's also really, really helpful to refuel with some carbohydrate at that time Mm -hmm. as well. So particularly aerobic, so cardio exercise, will really deplete your muscle stores of glycogen. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we have carbohydrate along with our protein after exercise, it really helps the uptake of that protein into the muscles um, and it really helps the immune system function. So, yeah, wow, so it's really, yeah, assisting, it. It's really yeah. assisting it. Yep, yep. Because when we eat some carbohydrate, we're getting um, an insulin response, and insulin is like the key that opens the door to the cells for the the energy um, and the protein to get into the cells. So it can help with that uptake into the muscles. And so how you would team some carbohydrate with your post-workout protein snack, you know, with your two eggs, you could have just a slice of whole grain, whole wheat bread, mm-hmm. um, or half a roll, um, half a cup of cooked oats with your milk or your yogurt. Um, peanut butter on toast. It's peanut butter on toast. Love it. Um, <laughs> or any of your beautiful grains, things like we absolutely love um, branching out into different types of whole grains, things like your uh, buckwheat, wild rice, barley, um, brown rice. Um, so aiming for about half a cup of cooked grains. Brilliant, plenty of options. Or half yeah. a big potato. Yeah, yeah. So very achievable there. So
1: that's um, great. And you've kind of already debunked one of my first myths because I've got I've got a few of these that I want to throw at you throughout. Yeah, um, shoot. Throughout, <laughs> um, to help our fellow EPs feel confident in debunking some of the things that they probably know the answers to as well, but going, Oh, there's so much other conflicting information out there. Um, Mm -hmm. and the one that we we hear time and time again, and you probably hear it more than we do is, um, but, um, but, but, you know, carbs are bad. I don't want to eat carbs. Um, and it's an, an, I don't know, (laughs) a discussion I have with clients a lot of the time and especially those that we've seen a bit of a plateau in results. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that might be weight loss, whether that might be um, muscle mass increase, increases in strength, increases in fitness, anything we want to improve, um, I often say is carbohydrates are one of our main fuels and we can't drive a tank, can't drive a car and empty. So um, do you want to yeah. sort of unpack that a little bit more and help me debunk why carbs are not bad?
0: Absolutely. Oh gosh, we, I think, you know, as a society, in a culture, we have just moved through different fads of absolutely demonizing different macronutrients, haven't we? Mm-hmm. You know, 10, 20 years ago, we were all absolutely fat phobic. Yeah. Now we, we're fat philic. We're loving it, but we are, through, <laughs> we are hating on carbohydrates and so unnecessarily, um, because they are so, so important for so many different functions in the body. And they're actually our bodies preferred fuel source it is what we are designed to eat and burn um, and you know from a women's health perspective having um, slow release low gi carbohydrates regularly throughout the day is so so important for one um stabilizing our blood sugar levels Mm -hmm. Um, which can have a really profound impact on regulating our appetite, um, regulating our mood and energy levels and brain function throughout the day. So, you know, from a day-to-day perspective, things can flow much more evenly and well. It can be much easier to um, lose weight if that is one of your goals um, by including regular slow release carbohydrates the other thing is when we um, have stable blood sugar levels it actually helps balance our hormones throughout the month if you're menstruating yeah absolutely Um, so they're an important fuel source um, and as I said they really assist in that post exercise window to help the protein that's going to help rebuild and Repair your muscles, get into the cells where it's needed,
1: um, yeah, and support fantastic. yeah,
0: and support your immune system as well.
1: That's really important, and I think that's something that I think we can add to our repertoire. I know I'm a big promoter of um, you know small bouts of protein throughout the day, like regular yes, doses. Absolutely. Um, but to know that the carbohydrate is really the other part of the equation, you know, that like you see it's, it's almost the gatekeeper to allowing things yeah. to move into the muscle, and uh, we need it to to assist. Um, that recovery of muscle, which, like I say to my clients, um, exercise is one part of the equation um, and recovery is the other half. So this Mm -hmm. is why we don't train, Mm -hmm. you know, heavy on consecutive days because that next day we need the recovery. Otherwise, we're not going to get progress. We're actually going to go backwards. So, yeah, yeah, really important to know. And I love that little bit of information there. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, on the other side of things, what I'm going to look at is, from a, I suppose, an EP perspective, um, you know, we're seeing these clients one, two, three times a week if we're lucky. Um, we're really privileged to see a lot of these clients really regularly and get to know them quite well. Yeah. Um, is there anything as EPs we could look out for, or even for clients just to be a bit more aware um, of how they're feeling to, you know, perhaps be a bit of a yellow flag that perhaps they're under fueling before or after a session?
0: Absolutely, and I think it's I think it's a really important thing to keep on the radar because we know that so many women, um, you know, particularly postmenopausal women, um, have a really difficult time with their weight, their relationship with their body, and their eating. Um, so we know that about nearly eighty percent of women in, um, you know, sixty and over. Um, mm-hmm are affected by their self-esteem. Their body image affects their self-esteem. And eating, disordered eating patterns and eating disorders actually um, increase after this time as well. So it's a really, really important thing to keep in your radar. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, coming from a really caring and curious approach and asking people um, what their goals are, how they're... um, you know, what they're eating before and after breakfast. Um, I think uh, talking to people about, um, you know, maybe their history of dieting and what's worked for them or what hasn't worked for them. And perhaps just asking a few gentle, curious questions to this regard will give you an indication of whether you think that person has been um, a chronic diet cycler or fad diet Mm -hmm. throughout their life. If Um, their weight has fluctuated um, you know more than five kilos multiple times throughout their lives Um, if they're restricting their food before or after exercise with the goal to lose weight and they're all um, little flags that could indicate that this person um, you know has a disordered relationship with their eating Mm -hmm. Um, and in which case I'd highly encourage them to Um, reach out to a dietitian, an accredited practising dietitian or their GP and have a talk about that. Mm. Um, There is lots of support for people who have disordered relationships with food and their body image, um, you know, through Medicare. So they get supported to see dietitians and psychologists, which is wonderful, Um, and it certainly that support is not just limited to people with those classic eating disorders that we, um, that we associate.
1: It's yeah. Like and I like,
0: bulimia. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like how you've worded, worded that. And I know that's um, language that we're becoming more familiar with is, is eating disorders and disordered eating as well. And yeah. there's slight nuances and differences between those two, but ultimately, like you said, if there's sort of that restrictive patterning, um, with a, you know, an end goal in mind, um, nine times out of ten it's not necessarily the best it's definitely not the best way to get to the outcome and the goal and um like you mentioned we've got those avenues and the dream team if um any mm-hmm. clients up there are having difficulty trying to achieve their goals or feel like um you know their relationship with food is changing and, and becoming quite stressful or taking over mm-hmm. a little bit there is i work like yourself and a sort of psychology dietitian ep triad you know triad of um i call it the dream team because yes (laughs) it's so much more than just one avenue and often it's all three um aspects of health and maybe other ones as well maybe there's other things going on in the body um and it's a great little plug there to let people know and let other eps know and other allied health that that service is available um you know the government has recognized that and, and medicare is going to help support and fund some of that as well which is fantastic because you don't have to look like that, and we've got options, um, and there are there are fantastic and safe and sustainable ways to achieve the goals you want to achieve. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, All righty. So, but building on from that, we sort of those are sort of things an EP can keep an eye out for, and I kind of briefly touched on before what a, a client can keep an eye on for, which is, and we might notice it too, is really sometimes that plateau in progress. You know like we said it mm-hmm. might not be we, we can't get you know that next level in a certain movement we can't push past a certain weight or something like that we're not able to get um you know fit fitter, fast or strong whatever our goal might be and often that doesn't come down to how hard you're working in the gym or what you're doing outside of the session sometimes it might be doing too much and it sometimes is that are we fueling appropriately is the other half of the equation being um addressed and are we doing it the best way so Um, that's why I love working with you guys because I definitely don't have the answers. It's well beyond my scope. Um, We can provide a little bit of information and then um, we have the luxury of yourself um, and the team to, you know, you guys offer the 15-minute free consult so you can just have a chat and see, you know, is talking to yourself, someone in the team, something that's an an option? Is it going to fit the goals that these clients are working towards? Um, And it provides an opportunity to, just to chat to someone and see if, you know, is there a better way to do something?
0: Absolutely, yeah, really encourage people to take advantage of those three free 15-minute consultations. They can be so helpful. Sometimes I think people have um, a lot of um, uh, fear or uh, just don't understand how a dietitian can support them, and so mm-hmm. it can be a really great way just to touch base, but, but if we're a good fit um, and talk about, um, any um, concerns they may have or goals they may have.
1: Excellent and that kind of leads me on to, to myth number two that the that all dietitians are the food police and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm constantly trying to debunk that and say no 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 I know I know these girls I know the people I refer to I work with them closely you No, know, I <laughs> can pick my referral pathways because I, I love what they do um, and do you want to give the listeners, um, you know, our EPs and clients and other allied health out there, how things have changed a little bit about what a dietitian does and essentially <laughs> why you guys aren't necessarily the food police? Absolutely. And um, thank you so much for your support, Nicole. Flag our
0: flag. Um, yeah, I think we are... You know, I think we ended up studying dietitian because we're all actually food obsessed and love food (laughs) and love good food and tasty food. And we're incredibly passionate about um, cutting through all the diet culture BS, all the pressure Mm -hmm. on women to be um, everything and do everything perfectly um, and um, help people find um, a way of eating that supports their health, optimises their health. Uh, but also recognising that um, a healthy diet is one that's flexible, um, where people feel like they can be spontaneous, where they're fueling their body um, throughout the day um, for their workouts, for work, you know, for mental focus, to stabilise their mood, to support hormone and hormone changes. So... Uh, within that, there is so much room for um, for enjoying all types of food, uh, and I think we always come with a very um, supportive approach. In that, um, there's never any judgment on what you do or don't eat, or the you know the history of of things you rather, you've tried that have worked for you, that have failed for you. Um, because we understand what the pressures are on people out there and what uh, overwhelming and confusing world it is yeah. as far as diet and nutrition. So we really try and cut through a lot of the the myths um, and the misinformation out there and find a way of eating and relating to food that you can stick on for a lifetime. The idea
1: is never mm. to be on or off a diet. Mm. Yeah. Just to live your life in a way that supports your your life and your living Mhm. absolutely love it with some um, fun in there <laughs> yeah absolutely. absolutely I mean I'm the same I reckon I could be a dietitian as well because um my life revolves around food that's how I socialize I love being in the kitchen I love cooking and providing food with friends trying yeah. new things even when we go camping like it's all about how how amazing we make these dinners and, and food and to enjoy that time with friends and family and like you mentioned before diets Um, nutrition isn't just for you know weight loss or or body related things it's beyond that and it's a lot more mental related to your your psychological health Um, um, and to fuel you for for other aspects of life like playing with grandkids or family and things like that as well absolutely I think yep food
0: is one of the things that can really connect us bring us together and it's such a huge part of celebrating life is celebrating food
1: yeah Excellent. And um, I know when I talk about when I'm trying to refer clients or suggest that um, it might be worthwhile turning to um, a dietitian, they go, Oh, but I know what to eat. And I go, I, I don't doubt that you probably do. Um, people come and see me all the time. I'm pretty sure a large majority of the clients that I see know what they should be doing. And they often tell me that in the initial assessment, they go, Oh, I know I should be doing this, but this. And I go, Well, why did you come to see me? and we break down, you know, what it is, perhaps is it motivation, is it is it um, inspiration, is it exercise, is it adherence, there's so many different avenues, and it's it's no different with a dietitian, so, yeah. I mean, I see an EP, I've seen a dietitian, I know, I have the answers for myself, but I don't have the motivation to um, do my own programs and things like that, I'm far more adherent seeing someone else, and um, Absolutely. Really- <laughs> we all need a little bit of accountability, don't we? Yeah, um, yeah really good point.
0: If knowing was the thing, uh, we'd all be kicking goals because that's the easy part. Um, but I guess, you know, having a dietitian in your corner as your coach, um, you know, helping to shine a light on, you know, behaviour patterns or habits. Um, around our food, um, practical strategies, support, encouragement, just like just like a personal trainer for your exercise. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah, <laughs> love it.
1: So we spoke before kind of on a – we touched a little bit on protein, and I'm going to bring it back to especially to, as it's our Women's Health Week sort of focus. And now a large majority of my clients – I think we've got two classes every day of the week um, with six women in each group. So we've got about, you know, 60-plus women – doing a woman's strength class, okay, so 30-minute class, mm-hmm. eight-week program, progressive resistance training designed to um, increase and maintain muscle mass, bone health, um, optimize strength for day-to-day function, and help make them or enable them to feel like strong, independent women. Um, and now, one thing I get asked a lot, and they know that protein is important, but yep. how much do do women need, and how does this change with with age um, and and other conditions? Yep.
0: Um, so uh, most most women or people need about. 0.5 to 0.75 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, sometimes we just need to adjust for a BMI, a healthy body weight there. Um, so, you know, depending on what your weight is, maybe anywhere between, you know, maybe 50 to 75 grams of protein, which is so easy to achieve through um, a healthy, balanced diet of foods. Um, Actually, in Australia, most people who enjoy some animal products, whether it be dairy, seafood, you know, chicken, meats, we're actually getting far more than that 50 to 75 grams. Most of us are getting nearly double what we actually need. Oh, wow. Um, Which is great. Um, We just uh, get rid of what we don't need. Um, So for most people, um, it's important to... Ensure that you're getting regular amounts of quality protein throughout the day so really recommend breaking down your protein intake um, to um, getting in a quality source at your three meals and one or two snacks throughout the day and that's because uh, particularly as that the body becomes a little less efficient at digesting absorbing and utilizing that protein we can only deal um, with you know maybe up to 20-30 grams at one time so okay. it's helpful to get it in throughout the day
1: those little doses
0: little doses
1: excellent um now you mentioned that kind of, we're getting most of it from our diet which is great because i get a lot of questions in the clinic going um do i need a protein shake after my session and and my instinct usually is going oh, you should be able to get it from whole foods um and i love you know, I listen to your podcast. That's where I get a lot of my information from. Um, mm-hmm. Little Pipe Fair guys on call to a fantastic podcast called Two Peas in the podcast. Um, and they're brilliant. Again, little bite sized 20 to 30 minute podcast that I listen to on the way home. But um, these little ideas and, you know, get across really well that whole food is really our best food because we get so many other nutrients in them too. So you kind of answered it, but is protein supplementation necessary with like a protein shake? Um, or can we get it mostly from our diet? We can
0: absolutely get it from our diets Um, and, yeah, absolutely food-first approach. It doesn't mean that you, you know, can't enjoy a protein shake after exercise if it's something you really enjoy and if it's convenient for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, there's so many ways that you can get in your protein needs after working out. For example, having an egg with some avocado and some whole grain toast. Uh, a smoothie with some milk or yogurt, no need for the protein powder in there. If it's dinner time, a stir fry with some chicken or fish, a yogurt bowl, um, even some tofu quinoa in a big salad bowl. I'm getting um, hungry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's so many ways to do it with real food. Of course, if you um, if you really love a protein shake, um, if the you know you want to spend money on that then certainly they're a great and easy way to get in that protein after exercise but they're not necessary or there's no added benefit above whole foods okay yeah excellent and sometimes
1: like um you know like i'll admit if i'm in a rush or i know i'm going somewhere after my workout and i don't have time to sit down for a meal a protein shake works as a as a quick filler course, sometimes um, it's easier to digest so i can understand that benefit as well but um really good to hear that what we're telling clients those whole foods and many delicious ways to get that protein in um, throughout the day and after our sessions, which is great. Awesome. Uh, and that brings me on to the other side. We spoke about this is protein really for your muscle health, which is really essential. So we promote it not only um, just for pig strong, like I said, independent women, but as we get older, unfortunately, um, our hormone levels change. And, and I feel like we draw the short straw a bit on this one. Our, our muscle mass and our bone mass declined a little bit quicker than the boys. Um, so that's something we promote and why we're so big on our women's strength class and women doing resistance training Um, especially as it seems to be the side of exercise that a lot of women don't tend to do you know they tend Mm -hmm. to walk with a lot of aerobic work so we're Mm -hmm. big on on strength work Um, and a lot of the referrals we're getting from gps um, oncologists and things like that is because of declining bone health so Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about what the role of nutrition is in bone health for those who, you know, don't need to have a diagnosed condition, but are just getting older, right through to those who are osteopenic, osteoporotic?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you're right, that's, that's huge hormonal change that we go through as women um, through menopause, Uh With the drop in estrogen levels, uh, we do see a reduction in bone mineral density and exercise is so, so important. Um, And for many reasons, that drop in estrogen also uh, makes it much more difficult to um, utilise the vitamins and minerals and nutrients we need to support um, our bone health. So your calcium becomes more important um in that time and your mm-hmm. requirement increases so women who have been through menopause um, want to aim for ideally two and a half to three serves of dairy a day and a serve is going to be a glass of milk 200 grams or a cup of yogurt about 40 grams of cheese um, if you're not a dairy Ace fan yeah, love cheese. If you're not a dairy fan and you choose a milk alternative, make sure that what you're going for is fortified with calcium. So when you're comparing the um, nutrition information panel on the back, the table with the numbers, you want to make sure that it's got 120 milligrams per 100 mils of the product um, in there to mm-hmm. ensure you're getting your calcium. Um, if you're a fan of tin fish like salmon or sardines, they can be a really great source of calcium if you're eating the bones yeah, soy. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, soy products like edamame or tofu or legumes or chickpeas can be a really great source of calcium. Um, and we always want to go for, you know, food before supplements, but sometimes supplements are a um, really easy way to ensure that you're getting enough and almost like a bit of an insurance blanket. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And what about
1: vitamin D? How does that play a role?
0: Yeah, vitamin D is really important for... Um, ensuring that you can absorb the calcium um, and then it's going to be used, uh, you know, and taken up. So we actually get um, most of our vitamin D from the sun, um, but we actually don't need as much sun, Uh, particularly you guys up in Brisbane probably don't need to as much effort as us down here in winter to get our fix of sun. So... You only need to expose a quarter of your body, so perhaps just your arms or legs, to sunlight for six minutes a day if you've got fair skin or 15 mm-hmm. minutes a day you've got darker skin. Yeah. Um, but it's really important to know that um, the skin, as we get older, becomes a little less efficient at converting our vitamin D to active vitamin D. Um, okay. So, hi- yeah, highly recommend including some really good dietary sources. Vitamin D as well, again, absolutely love our oily fish, things like our salmon, mackerel, tuna, um, fortified milks. Eggs are fantastic. A little trick you can do actually with your mushrooms um, is if you leave your mushrooms out for, say, 15 to 30 minutes just in a sunny window before you cook them, then they actually just like our skin produce active vitamin D.
1: Yes, I um, I don't know if you can hear me grinning to my microphone. <laughs> I um I heard this on one of your I must be listening to one of your podcasts of the day. Um, yeah. And I was driving up the coast and I I was literally laughing out loud. I was like that is, is such a golden tip. I love that. Um, yeah. And these are the little tidbits that I love hearing through the podcast. You know, just little bits of information that you guys have that um that you're willing to share with the world, which like you did, you know, just gives you that little extra bonus. Yeah, absolutely. I love learning these little tidbits. <laughs> so good. Um, so building on from that, because we know you kind of touched on there, like as we get older and we're going through, we've got perimenopause, kind of before we're coming into it, we've got menopause, and we've got post-menopause. So this is probably where we will sort of um, finish off our chat to today. But I'd love to chat a little bit more about this area and, um, you know, what you guys are going to do in this space. Does nutrition change at all? Uh, yeah,
0: it's such a um, a challenging time for some women. Um, such a you know a normal process um, in many ways, but certainly can um, bring on so many changes in the body that uh, you know you probably have heard this a lot too, Nicole, is that people can feel really out of control um, of mm-hmm. what's happening with their body, which um, it can be really distressing, so I think it's really, really important to um, help women understand um, what the changes are, um, and that while they can't control the process itself from happening, that nutrition is one thing that they they can control. Yeah. So yeah, so as we've said, there's there's many changes that happen with the hormones that um, lead to all sorts of changes, and unfortunately a lot of them don't work in our favour, as you mentioned, reduction in our muscle mass, in our strength, which is where exercise is so, so important and helpful. It can also cause so many changes in our mood, our sleep, um, our metabolic function as well. So uh, I guess the bad news is that it can become more challenging for women to maintain a healthy weight um, and to regulate their food intake uh, after menopause. And we're much more likely to deposit um, our fat around the middle, so that central adiposity, which is uh, more dangerous for our heart health. Um, So I think um, it's it's really important uh, more than ever in that time to eat regular nutritious meals. So actually as we get older we our energy requirements tend to reduce, um, but our requirement for quality nutrient dense nutrition increases because of some higher higher needs but also because of our body's reduced ability to really use those nutrients Mm -hmm. so dietary quality becomes more important as we get older Um, having the regular slow release carbohydrates throughout the day can really help maintain our energy levels help maintain our mood and concentration Um, the protein we've spoken about And, you know, I think while there's lots of anecdotal evidence about what women have used from a herbal or supplement perspective that have helped them during that pausal, during the changes time, we don't have a lot of really good quality science to support um, any health supplement in particular. Um, But there's certainly reports of. Some things helping various women. So, I think the most important thing to recognize is what's going to work for you might not work for someone else. Um, First, do no harm. Absolutely check in with your doctor or your physician before you start taking any herb or supplement because there can certainly be interactions with medications or um, situations where you wouldn't want to take them in. Um, And um, if it works for you, great um but there's there's nothing that we can say there is good solid evidence that this is indicated for women to help relieve menopause symptoms
1: gotcha there's no clear Um, cut
0: there's no clear cut i i I wish there was um and i think it's the space that we're definitely um looking into and and want to learn and know more and hopefully in time we have more evidence to support certain things and can recommend
1: oh great and I mean at the end of the day like you said is just chat to someone mm-hmm. so we can we can help and tweak things like we do with exercise and, and, and diet and nutrition so have a chat talk to your GP um, ask you know talk to different people chat to people who've got um, qualifications who understand the area and have experience and expertise working with with women um, and and try a few different things out there's no clear cut Um but the idea is to really look after yourself um, and no, unfortunately, it is going to happen to all us women. Um, and it affects everyone very differently. Absolutely. Um, yep. So,
0: uh, <laughs> sorry, Nicole. In closing, I think I'd just like to encourage anyone who's interested to um, continue this conversation to reach out and, um, book a 15-minute phone consult via our website OnCore Nutrition, mm-hmm. um, and and whether that be any of your EPs that are listening that have questions about what we've chatted about today, um, or encouraging your clients to to reach out and have a chat, we'd be absolutely delighted to hear from them.
1: Awesome, thank you so much Naomi for coming on today I was really excited for this podcast not only as my first as host but also to pick your brain um, for our clients, for our, our listeners, for me uh, I'm always building my, my info um, on nutrition, I'll never forget that mushroom tip um, and now knowing just how important carbohydrate is after an exercise session to help with that protein is a really big takeaway mm-hmm. I've learned from today mm-hmm. as well um, I'll put all the information on our show notes for our listeners to find you guys, to find some of your blogs. Like I said, love the podcast. Two Ps in the podcast is another great one out there to help, like you guys say, you know, dissect all that confusing, conflicting information. Um, keep it simple and have a listen on, on the way home from work or, or the gym and things like that. They're really easy to listen to. You guys have got um, a great Instagram as well. And I will pop up some information about the Allied Health Oncology Group uh, for anyone who's interested. Brilliant. Thanks so much for having me along today, Nicole. It's so much well, fun uh, to chat with you. Yeah. Yes. We'll not out chat again soon. Absolutely. see you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Body Track Academy podcast.
0: If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.